You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. Introducing our Pigeon Radio Australia presenter and executive producer of the show, Ivan Fonti. And welcome to another edition of Pigeon Radio Australia brought to you here on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. We have a very good show, exciting show for you this morning on Pigeon Radio Australia. We have Gerard Barry from the Victorian Pigeon Organisation has an important announcement for them. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his racing and uh, where he races from, which is pretty interesting. So stay tuned for that. We also have, in the second half of our program, we've got a panel. I've put a panel together. panel consists of Joe DeNaro, Peter Maddock, John Judd, Gary Gillard, Tony Barbara and myself. And uh, we're going to ask a few questions that were posted on the internet that people were having big discussions about. And we're going to have a bit of a discussion here on Pigeon Radio Australia with our Racing Pigeon panel this morning. And we've got Media Check as well coming up. Stay tuned and on with the show. And it's a very good morning to my good friend here, Mr. Tony Barbara. Hello, Tony. How are you? And uh, welcome back to Pigeon Radio. Good morning, Ivan. Good morning, all the listeners. And good morning to everybody around the world. I'm all right. And I hope everybody is too. Yeah. And how's your birds going now, Tony? Well, the birds are molten heavily. Anyway, uh, we'll take a short break right now, a musical break, and we'll be back after the break with more of Pigeon Radio Australia. Here on Pigeon Radio Australia, we try to uh, feature 
country music and Australian country music uh, I try to feature here on this program and more Australian music that I can play because this program goes all over the world and a lot of people from every other country in the world listens to it and what a better place to promote Australian music than on a program like this where it's uh, listened to and podcasted worldwide. So I've got a little bit of a great song here. Uh, it's got an Aussie theme and it's number 11 on the country Australian country music charts and it's by Ben Gunn and it's called A Bit More Aussie. So let's listen to Ben Gunn and A Bit More Aussie here on Pigeon Radio Australia. Kids running through the sprinkler on a hot December day. Forex from the esky while you watch those children play. Sizzling on the barbie, cooking snacks and chops. Cricket on the radio, we're taking on the bombs. When the run that wins the ashes, cracks right off the bat. I'm a bit more Aussie than that. Sunset sinking down, hot and red as fire. Teeple on the billy, damper in the coals. That rusty red nose shooting sun shot up full of holes. Fanning up the campfire with an old Cooper hat. I'm a bit more Aussie than that.
faces glow There's more than enough to share To give them tender loving care Come on, dig a little deeper Pigeon Radio Australia annually supports the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal. We have raised over $30,000 in the past eight years that Pigeon Radio Australia has been broadcasting its weekly program. 2022 is no different. Once again, commencing on Sunday the 3rd of April 2022, there will be 12 lots of top quality racing pigeons listed for auction via the Greater Melbourne Pigeon Federation auction site. We have this year set a target of $20,000 that we would like to raise. If you would like to donate a bird to the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal, please contact program producer Ivan Fontion 0424531111 or Tony Barbara on 0435-494-133. Or alternatively email your information to info at pigeonmedia.com.au. Pigeon Radio Australia is extremely proud to support the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal and are happy we can donate some money from the Pigeon Fraternity of Australia to help sick children. Please donate a pigeon to the appeal wherever you are and support the Royal Children's Hospital. There's more than enough to share To give them tender loving care Come on, dig a little deeper For all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. Your one-stop produce and farming supplies. Tara Meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Tara Meat stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484-340-551. Southern FM sponsor. Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Roanfried Pigeon Products. Roanfried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeons' inner health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035-998-1000 and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM Sponsor Hi, I'm Natalie Armat from NITV. Sunday, March 27 is Neighbour Day. 
a national celebration of community. It brings together people from next door, the local community, and even online. It's a day that reminds us why having strong social connections is not only good for our own wellbeing, but also for the wellbeing of those around us. But the real strength is in knowing that Neighbour Day isn't just one day, it's every day. Find out how you can get involved at neighbourday.org. I know fire. I know that burning embers from bushfires can travel 30 kilometres, lighting new fires in seconds, like the one that burnt my house down. I know extreme fire danger ratings or above aren't announced often, but when they are, you need to be ready. Check the Vic Emergency app daily and be prepared to leave early. How well do you know fire? Plan, act, survive. Go to emergency.vic.gov.au. Authorised by the Victorian Government. Hey, Josh Gatt, host of Bluestone Sounds, a show about live music and emerging acts. If you're a night owl like me, I'd like to very warmly invite you to come and hang out on your Friday morning, Thursday night. That's right, Bluestone Sounds Midnight Edition. Playing the risque stuff I can't play during the light of day. That's midnight till 3am on your Thursday night, Friday morning. This is DDZ, your captain speaking. Tune in every Wednesday at 2pm. Travel the world, musically speaking. From the Eiffel Tower to the Rialto. From the Colosseum to the Pyramids. From the London Bridge to Golden Gate. Tune in every Wednesday, 2pm, for International Caravan with your captain, DDZ. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia. Broadcast from Melbourne, Australia, on 88.3, Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside. Stop the pigeon, 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 how? Nab him, jab him, tab him. The Worldwide, Pigeon Radio Australia, Pigeon Media, Weekly Check. Yes, it's time for the Pigeon Radio Australia Weekly Media Check, which means we go around the uh, internet and I check all articles to do with pigeons and I present the most interesting ones here on Pigeon Radio Australia listen to this one people in Qatar we have a, 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 a an article from Qatar and Qatar honors pigeon race winners and it reads like this Doha the cultural village foundation Qatar honored the winners of the Qatar pigeon race which it organized in cooperation with the youth hobby center it was led by Saif Sad Al-Dosari, Director of Human Resources Department at the Foundation, Hassan Rashid Al-Rashid, Vice President of the Youth Hobby Centre, and Khalifa Maid Al-Sad, Director of the Carrier Pigeon Department at the Centre. 
Saif Sad al-Dasari stressed that Qatar seeks to sponsor and revive all kinds of Qatari heritage including the Qatari folklore, recalling that it had organised many events related to homing pigeons, including the Qatar International Exhibition and Conference on Homing Pigeons in 2020, where it released 3,350 pigeons. It has also previously published a book entitled Carrier Pigeon for Researchers. For his part, Khalifa Maid al-Sad, director of the centre, pigeon department at the Youth Hobby Centre said this race is one of the largest carrier pigeon races in Qatar. He recorded the participation of 41 Qatari amateurs of various nationalities, while the total number of participating pigeons reached 1,570. He said that the race had started from Rawais with within the sea, 80 kilometres, in addition to the internal distances for amateurs. Ahmed Malala al-Maliki came in first place, followed by Khalifa Nasar al-Kawari and Mohammed Izzat Ali Abbas. Khalifa Maid al-Sad, director of the carrier pigeon department at the centre, Hassan Rashid al-Rashid, Vice President of the Youth Hobby Centre, and Khalifa Maid al-Sad, Director of the Carrier Pigeon Department at the Centre, were also honoured. Participants also praised the atmosphere of the race as it was an opportunity to exchange expertise, stressing their keenness to revive this authentic sport linked to Qatari folklore. They noted that Katara's interest in partnership with the Youth Hobby Centre makes them anticipate more events. So that was an interesting uh, article from Qatar on pigeon racing. We have another one here from Kashmir, and uh, it says, Flying pigeons, using pigeons in sports and rearing birds for passion existed in Kashmir always. The lockdown triggered by the pandemic only helped it to go to the next level, reports Shakir Ashraf. Tayyumal Islam, 23, resident of Nalgam, Sringar, standing on the top of his double-storey building, which he has converted into a bid bird farm, he has a long plastic pipe in his hand and pokes the pigeon into the air. After a while, Tayyumal places his fingers between his lips Whistles, the multicoloured pigeons return back to their coop. In 2017, Tayamul saw a beautiful pair of pigeons at his friend's home and it led him to adopt the birds. Now it has become a bizarre passion for me, Tayamul said. I visit almost three times my farm to feed them and to see these beautiful pigeons. The farm is a few steps away from his home. The double-storied farm is home to hundreds of birds. On the first floor, he has kept a diverse variety of birds, but the second floor is exclusively for pigeons. It is home to almost 300 pigeons. Inside the farm, there is a large box containing a huge amount of corn, maize and buckets filled with water. It costs me almost RS15,000 to feed them every month, said Tayamul. Earlier people used to say that lower class family adopts pigeons but now every class adopts for fun, passion and some for racing. Pigeon as a player. In Kashmir, cricket tournaments for football and volleyball are not only the only sports competitions. 
pigeon tournaments are also held in various parts of Kashmir. These bird competitions are organised in summer and are played with rules and regulations. The organiser takes notice of all things. The difficult thing for fancier is to select the breed, which breed will compete, because some fly two hours and some three and some stay in the air for a longer time. So we have to cross such a breed which can compete and can win the tournament, said Tayamul. The selected pigeons are trained to wake up at 5am and have to return before 5pm. It takes a lot of time to train them. Before a competition, these pigeons are marked with different colours by the organiser so that every pigeon is recognised from the ground and there are no disputes. After the results are declared, the golden ring is worn in in the leg of the winning pigeon and people happily surround the winning bird. Some even give money to a pigeon which later on the fancier collects, Tayamul said. In case of racing, five to six fanciers invest money on their pigeons. The one who returns first wins. The winning fancier is given near about one lakh rupees. The pigeon in Kashmir are now mostly reared by youth. In Kashmir, some youth reared for it as a passion, but now they have converted it into a business as well. Yunaid Ahmad, resident of the Barber Shah Srinagar, an 11th grader, has made a coop at the top of his newly constructed home, where he has kept various kinds of birds, including pigeons. I was 7th grade when my uncle bought a pair of pigeons from Delhi. It was a new thing for us before we had neither any animal nor a bird at home. Time passed and the birds became part of our family, said Yuanid. Yuanid's day starts with the feeding of birds. It takes him almost half an hour to feed them. His parents remember that he was never an early riser and was very lazy. I was always anxious for him as he would wake up late but after he adopted the birds, he wakes early in the morning and spends most of his free time with his birds, said Yuanid's father. Yuanid is now Stringanar's major bird seller. By an average, he receives almost 8 to 10 orders in a day. In 2016, I saw people sitting more interested in rearing birds, so I decided to start my own business. My parents didn't like the idea, but I convinced them, said Yuanid. We first started from Turkey and Kandaknath, as they were more popular in Kashmir then. After that, we ordered different varieties of birds, including pigeons from various states of India. After receiving a good number of customers, Yuanid is now using the social media apps like Facebook and Instagram under the name Abu Ras, through which he is receiving orders and then delivers himself to his collection. He has American Silk, Dark Brahma, Buff Brahma, White Brahma, Asel Turkey, Kandanath, and a number of pigeon varieties including Muki, Cappuccino, Shirazi, Indian Fantail, and American Fantail. The most costly bird you will need has is Turkey, which costs RS 30,000. To avoid birds from any kind of infection, you will need gives them antibiotics every week. 
So that's an interesting article from Kashmir. And here's a bit of a uh, funny article. Uh, and it, it's from the United Kingdom, and it, it's got something to do with the soccer. But listen to this. You'll never squawk alone, it says. Fans worried for Anfield dead pigeon as Sturridge finally realises it's a carrier bag as Liverpool beat Huddersfield. Bird lovers and social media stuck their claws in after play despite many believing a pigeon was on the pitch. Daniel Sturridge was at the centre of a coup done it as he gawped at what appeared to be a dead pigeon on the pitch during Liverpool's 5-0 win over Huddersfield. Worried armchair viewers were transfixed when play continued despite what seemed a stricken creature on the turf. And it was Sturridge who sparked the most intrigue as he started at the bird-like bundle. Eventually, the former England striker, 29, seemed to realise his instincts were only half right. It appeared to be a carrier bag, not a carrier pigeon. But social media and bird lovers in particular were still left feeling sick as a parrot as many fans remained convinced it could be a pigeon. Captain Cornflake got himself into the worst flap, tweeting, I have one question after that game. How did the pigeon die? Another supporter complained, random dead pigeon at the cop, and no one kicked the ball out of play. And one fan made the educated guess at the Dream Team rating, suggesting the dead pigeon was the best player for Huddersfield. (laughs) As for the game itself, it was all over. Early, Jack Dawes and Huddersfield gifted Liverpool a goal inside 15 seconds. Naby Keita fired at the home that opener before Sadio and Mo Salah swooped for a double apiece as the Reds packed away incessantly at the relegated visitor's defence. So there's a story, a funny story. It was actually a carry bag and not a pigeon. But in the photo, it does look like a pigeon. And right now, we're going to uh, listen to a little bit of uh, comedy, uh, a comedy uh, clip that I uh, found on the internet. And it's, uh, it's, well, it's called Racing Pigeons. And it's by Cameron Esposito. Cameron Esposito is a... comedian and actress from America. So let's listen to her story about racing pigeons. Cameron Esposito. I had a, uh, the opportunity on my way to South Africa, I had the opportunity to stop over in the UK and I did some comedy shows there. And I had a great experience. Dude came up to me after one of the shows and I want to make sure I get this spot on. Anybody been to the UK? Yeah. Yes, okay, well listen for this because this is spot on. <laughs> He said, he said to me, Your last name's Esposito? Are you related to the Espositos that train racing pigeons for the Queen? (laughs) I said, what any of us would have said in that position, yes. Absolutely. That is what my family does for a living. We make birds competitive. (laughs) Now, if you'll excuse me, I have got to get to Kensington Palace with these. Then open up a jacket. (laughs) And those weren't birds. I just have a windy chest. (laughs) Just something you should know about me. Meteorologically speaking. 
You're listening to your local community radio station. 88.3 Southern FM. Take me back to 1993 To that old willow tree Feels like I've got lost in it all again My heart's so heavy My mind's in a spin I often wonder Will I ever be enough? Do the dreams still matter? When the times get tough I'm back Chasing it all again Caught up in the same high Got lost in the bright lights Take me back To 1993 Making plans Under that old willow tree The roots are strong For a country boy like me Take me back to 1993 I remember when We lived for Friday nights Me and the boys With our names up in lights Brothers and nuns, we were gonna make it big But they made their choices for their wives and their kids Here's me, chasing it all again Believing in the same high, still caught in the bright lights Take me back to 1993 Making plans under that old willow tree The roots are strong for a country boy like me Take me back to 1993 1993 Making plans under that old willow tree The roots are strong for a country boy like me Take me back to 1993 The roots are strong for a country boy like me Take me back to 1993 
Legion Radio Australia annually supports the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal. We have raised over $30,000 in the past eight years that Pigeon Radio Australia has been broadcasting its weekly program. 2022 is no different. Once again, commencing on Sunday the 3rd of April 2022, there will be 12 lots of top quality racing pigeons listed for auction via the Greater Melbourne Pigeon Federation auction site. We have this year set a target of $20,000 that we would like to raise. If you would like to donate a bird to the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal, please contact program producer Ivan Fontion 0424531111 or Tony Barbara on 0435494133. Or alternatively email your information to info at pigeonmedia.com.au. Pigeon Radio Australia is extremely proud to support the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal and are happy we can donate some money from the Pigeon Fraternity of Australia to help sick children. Please donate a pigeon to the appeal wherever you are and support the Royal Children's Hospital. There's more than enough to share To give them tender loving care Come on, dig a little deeper And give that they may grow And that was number three on the Australian country music charts and it's by Andy Penko. And it's called 1993. So I hope you enjoyed that or Aussie country music, uh, a little interlude that we just had. And now it's time to hear from our sponsors. Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Roanfried Pigeon Products. Roanfried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeons in a health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035-998-1000 and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM Sponsor Your one-stop produce and farming supplies. Tara Meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Taramid Stock Feed and Farming Supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484-340-551. Southern FM Sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia. Number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. For all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM what you sponsor. hear on community radio is governed by the community broadcasting codes of practice. 
The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content that are of concern to the community, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music content, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting to the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this service. Copies of the codes are available from the Community Broadcasting Association website www.cbaa.org.au Secure transmission for your ears only. <clears throat> Good day. Today more than 110,000 Australians live with a blood cancer. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to join the Leukaemia Foundation and a crack team of registered shavers from around the country to kick blood cancer's tush. We call it Mission Possible. Sign up to shave at worldsgreatestshave.com. This ad will now self-destruct. Hi there, it's me, Graham the Garden Gnome. If you want to know everything about where I live in your garden, listen in to Molly's Blooming Hour every Saturday at 4pm, only here on 88.3 Southern FM. <laughs> This is DDZ, your captain speaking. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Travel the world, musically speaking, from the Eiffel Tower to the Rialto, from the Colosseum to the Pyramids, from the London Bridge to Golden Gate. Tune in every Wednesday, 2 p.m. for International Caravan with your captain, DDZ. Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM. The sounds of the Bayside. All the way, down under, in Melbourne, Australia. The only devoted racing pigeon radio show in the world. So, stop the pigeon, 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 stop the pigeon. You're tuned to 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, and you're listening to the only devoted racing pigeon radio show in the world, and that's Pigeon Radio Australia. Right now on the line from the Victorian Pigeon Organisation, we have one of their top flyers on the line, and that's Mr Gerard Barry. Hello, Gerard, and welcome to Pigeon Radio. And uh, you're going to tell us about, uh, I think, the Victorian Pigeon Organisation is uh, having an AGM. That's correct, Ivan. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, we've got our AGM uh, this Sunday, 6th of March, um, in, uh, at our club rooms at uh, Box Forest Road in Moreland. Just sort of emphasising all the members that uh, hopefully they can turn up on the day and um, have a chance for their voice to be heard. Um, there's going to be a barbecue at 12.30 uh, and the meeting gets underway at, at uh, 1.30. So if any of the members want to get anything on the agenda, there's still time. Uh, get on to your uh, board rep, and um, if you've got anything you want to say or have heard, uh, get it out there, and hopefully we'll see you all there on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, and, and I did emphasise it because we had our AGM on Friday, the WPF, and I did say that 
any federation that's got an AGM. It's no good whinging and carrying on during the season saying, oh, they should have done this and they should have done that. If you want something done, then front up to your AGM and get it done. It's the only way you will get it done, Ivan. It's um, once that's passed, yeah, you know, everything's set in stone and nothing can be changed till the next AGM. So uh, your chance to have your say is there, um, and if you've got anything to say, get up and say it. Correct. And, uh, so, yeah, right. and that's the same with all the all the feds, as you as you just said. Yep. Yeah, so I'd stress anybody that uh, in the VPR that wants something changed or they they want to put something motion a motion forward, go there on Sunday and have your say. Because that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll get a full season in again and uh, get moving so. again. Yeah. Now, Gerard, we'll talk a little bit about you. How did you firstly get involved with pigeon racing? Uh, oh, like everybody else when I was a kid, um, I lived in Albion, Brisbane Street in Albion. And um, I had all my mates were Maltese and all their fathers had pigeon lofts. And that's how I got involved. I uh, Just as a young kid, I was racing pigeons. I think it was the VPU then in Forest Street. They had the club rooms in Forest Street in Sunshine, uh, going back a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when I go to the go to WPF rooms now, I see a lot of those old flyers' names up on the on the shields and whatever. It brings back a lot of good memories of those of those early days. And then I got married and moved away, moved to Sunbury. Um, and I went into breeding horses for a long time. And after I realised I was going to make me broke, I decided I'd get back into pigeon racing again, and uh, it still makes me broke, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it still gets enjoyment out of it. Yeah, yeah uh, now, um, and now you, you're one of the top flyers in the VPA. Your results are up there. You're fairly consistent week in, week out. Um, is it the birds, or what, what do you put it down to? Well, where we fly up here, we fly up in the Masson Ranges. I'm in a little place called Reels Creek, and we're right at the foot of the ranges, and it's incredibly hard to get birds to, to fly you know, around in this environment. And I found over the years I've tried a lot of different breeds here and uh, tried different things, and I found that although you, know, you can go and buy a good bird, but you need a special bird up here that's got the toughness to withstand like multiple falcon attacks and have their head screwed on the right way so that they'll they'll keep coming home for you. It's a it's a it's a very hard bird to get, but it's I feel like psychologically the bird birds up here have got to be pretty well really in tune with, with what's going around them and um, you know fly through a lot of things that maybe other birds wouldn't, and that's the only way we can sort of get them home. And that's what I try to do. I've had some terrific people help me out. Uh, Mark Tung in the early days, um, Jeff Jackson from Sunbury, who is a walking encyclopedia on Goodyear Prize, who's helped me out tremendously with the, with the, with the right birds for up here. Um, and he's introduced me to some other flyers, Rob Anderson from the VHA, and, that, and they've, they've all been fantastic in helping me breed, I think, the bird that sort of I'm starting to, to get results with up here. It's incredibly hard and yeah, without their advice, I don't think I could have done it. Um, so, in selecting your breeders, um, did you take their advice directly, or did you go and select what what lines you wanted that you thought would do well for you in your area? I was getting a bit of an inkling when I first started flying here, and I was losing birds left, right, and centre. That there were certain breeds that were never going to do any good up here. Um, and then I was getting advice from these blokes to try this or try that. Um, I would buy birds from them. Um, Rob Anderson, who was a great flyer in the VHA, unfortunately, 
got a pigeon lung and had to get rid of a lot of his top birds, and I was fortunate enough to be able to buy some of them. Um, Jeff Jackson got out of pigeon racing because of a uh, very bad back, and he's in a one-off racing now, but he, I was able to purchase a lot of his great Gujar prior birds. Um, so I've sort of mixed and matched them, um, and then I've had advice on what birds to cross them with to get a bit of speed into them, um, to get them home a bit faster than a normal the old plot a long distance bird. Um, um, and I've you know, I've had success with that. Um, and I've had uh, I introduced the raw sablons uh, about three years ago um, from South Australia, and I've had terrific success with them. I've been very pleased with them, and I've been able to get some from Joe Arado recently. Um, and I'm really keen next year to, to put those into. Um, my good Pie based birds have been doing so well for me so far. So, it's a tough gig. It really is a tough gig. Yeah. So what what distances have you excelled in? Do you do well in the short in the short mm-hmm. as well as the I've longer? Won, I've won two fed races um, around about the two fifty mark three hundred. But I was the champion long distance flyer. My partner, myself, Karen, we were, uh, we were the champion long distance flyers in the VPO two thousand nineteen. The last year we flew a whole program. Um, the birds seemed to come alive at the 300 mile mark um, and then we won the 400 mile, the 500 mile second in the 600 and then we won the Morgan National, the last race of the season uh, for the VPO so um, the, the you know, the, the the work that we've put through to breed these long distance birds, these tougher um, uh, birds has certainly come through, and that's what we concentrate on. We're such short flyers that um, you only have to be a breath of a north wind up here. Um, as flyers like Johnny Judd and all those will tell you, and you're out of it. You're, you're right out of it. So you've got to wait for the long distance stuff, and and hopefully you've got the you've got the birds in the loft then to do the job for you when they get to that distance. But it's hanging on to them, Ivan. Getting them to that distance is the hard part. The you know the falcons, the the weather, uh, it's like it's, it's it's very hard. And if you can get them up into the three hundred mile mark, well, you've usually got them right through till the end. Then, any sort of special preparation you need to do in that area, because I suppose you've 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 probably raced as a younger fella in the in the city area. Now you're in the country area, like Riddles Creek. Yeah. Uh, do you have to prepare your birds any differently? You, you certainly do. You have to put a lot of work into the early education of the birds. Um, you have to get them flying around the loft, even though they know they're going to get probably visited by a falcon every other night. Um, so you've got to get them flying through that. Um, and then when tossing starts, that very early, those very early few early tosses that where they really get hammered because they're away from the loft and really teaching them to, to when when they're released, just to get home as quick as possible. And that's the trick I think I've heard. You, you release the birds and they go. And they're going that fast that the falcons don't really bother them. But if they dilly-dally around at the start on a toss, um, they're going to be in for it. Um, and it's teaching the birds, I think, mainly is to just get out of the baskets and get home. Lots of very short tossing at the start to get them used to it. And then moving them on over the mountains and then uh, getting to go over the mountain, even though there might be a bit of fog there, get them to fly through that um, and then move them up online normally uh, through the north tracks, up through the northwest tracks. Um, yeah, and, and try and get as much tossing in as you can before the first race because they do need that education. 
Uh, the, the mob's not going to take them home. The mob's going to take them down to uh, Port Phillip Bay. So yeah. they can't rely on the mob to get them home. They've got to get home themselves up here. Yeah, so in other words, what you're saying is they've got to think with their own brains instead of being follow they, the leader. They really do need a brain. They've got to have a brain. They've got to, they've got to think about it. Um, they've got to learn to break. Um, and they've got to have the mental strength to continue on on their own, break and come away on their own. Hmm. Um, yeah, the, it's I guess most country feds have got the same same problem that we have. You know, they've got to have tough, really hard, tough birds that think it out and have and have got the courage to break away and and come home. And every every fed that we've won, we've been fortunate enough to win five for the VPO, and every one of them has been we know a bird that's broken away and come away on its own. Hmm. Um, and that's the key to it. Now, in in view of medication, do you get veterinary advice, or do you have your own medicating program? I certainly do get veterinary advice. I rely on it. I, I had horses for thirty years, and I have a very different opinion of vets that a lot of pigeon flies have. I I don't think you can do it without vets. To be quite honest, um, I started off with uh, Colin Walker's book. gave me a, a a huge amount of good advice when I started off. Um, my partner Karen luckily has worked in laboratories all her life, a scientist, and knows the inside out of microscopes and things. We look at our birds every week. Um, we only have to medicate when we have to, but if we have to, we definitely do. There is no way known we could get through a season without um, knowing what state our birds are in and what medication that might be required. We, we're, we're paranoid about not over medicating, but. Um, yeah, you know, um, we we look at that very closely. We vaccinate all our birds. Um, I had a, we had a terrible situation here two or three years ago where I brought a stock bird and it brought salmonella into our loft, wiped out four or five of our top stock birds. It just gutted us. So we religiously vaccinate for uh, for everything: PMV, rota, pox, salmonella, the lot. Um, and we don't take any chances anymore. We got. We have to breed 200, 250 birds a year, so that's a lot of birds in one loft. We've got a terrific loft that houses them easily, but with that many birds, they're prone to, to different things. So we're, we watch it very carefully and, um, yeah, spend money at the vets for sure. Mm. Now, in, in feeding, do, do you have to – racing in the city and where you are now, is your feeding system different to what it was? Yep, it is. Um as you can imagine up here, um, the weather is very different. Um, we feed heavier. I, I guess we would feed heavier than, than you would down in town. Um, in wintertime here, it's absolutely horrendous. It, it is freezing, freezing cold at night. Some nights are close to snowing. Um, we're tossing our birds in freezing conditions, windy conditions, uh, a lot of rain. So we feed heavier. Um, um, I use... Um, yeah, a lot of the derivate mixes or some of the derivate mixes and then as I think we need to, um, you know, you add more as you go along into the longer distance or uh, the birds are under more stress. So we do feed a heavier mix than what probably, um, yeah, a lot of other flies would and that helps with heat energy for them during the winter and um, if they do get caught out, um, you know, and, and end up doing a long toss because they've split up, um, they've got the energy to get home. Hmm. Now, you say you breed 200 birds. Now, what's the limit in the VPO for sending birds every week? 
Uh, it's 40, but we run two loss. So okay, I can so send 80 birds a week. So you're pretty much sending two different teams every second two week? Two different teams, yep. yep. Yeah. My partner has one team or the other, um, and we send the two teams. It's a lot of work, but we found it's the only way to get enough birds through to get us through safely into the 300 mile mark where, you know, we feel our birds are uh, a much better advantage and, and can move on from there. Otherwise, we won't get the miles under a mile and we just won't do it. We couldn't do it. And and, and as you're breeding and, and selecting every year, year in, year out, do you think the birds get better and better and better each year? I would like to think so. Um, 2018, we won two fed races. 19, we won three. We haven't raced since. Um, I flew... Um, with the WPF, which we were absolutely fantastically grateful for last season through uh, through Tassie races and the VHA with Mount Hope, and we did really well with them. We got seventh uh, in the in the VHA um, Mount Hope race. We did really well in the Tassie Fed race. Johnny Judd knocked me off. Um, but it was, I think, each year you, you, you're forced to, uh, Ivan. You don't have an uh, an option if you don't. Improve year by year, you fall by the wayside very quickly. And um, the, the birds have to be, you know, really tough. And I'm always looking at, um, you know, different ways of breeding them and different, not different breeds, but um, working the bird, birds around. I do a little bit of inbreeding. Um, and then I'll breed one in, inbred family to another inbred family. And I, I've had a lot of success with that. And I find that I can accumulate that family and build that family that way. It works for us up here. Do you look for something to put into your family every year or do you pretty much stick with the birds that you've got? I look – I'm trying to build a family of birds here that will fly in these conditions. Um, I've done it like everybody else done, done the hard way, tried this and tried that, and, you know, you come down to earth with, it with a pretty big sud. So I'm tending now to sort of um, – you know, the birds that we do well with flying now tend to go into the stock loft. Um, and occasionally I'll buy I'll, I'll buy a bird or so. With Jeff Jackson, we might go and buy a couple of birds and we'll try them out at each other. At the moment, we, we've, um, last year we brought some beautiful birds from um, Greg Hamilton's loft um, and I'm really keen to try them this year. Um, all these best hens are in that, like Good as Gold and all those are in those birds and really keen to try them uh, yeah, next season to uh, see what they can do to assist us. Um, you know, just keep building that better bird if we can. Now, that's fantastic, Gerard. Look, um, I wish you all the best for the upcoming season. Would you just like to mention the time of the AGM on Sunday? Yeah, yeah yep. Yeah. Uh, 12.30 for our barbecue. Everybody's welcome. And uh, 1.30 start. Now, if any of your members want any more information, who can they contact? Uh, just contact their, their club uh, rep. Every every club's got a rep on the board. Um, and if they contact that rep, uh, the rep will get uh, whatever they need, whatever they want to discuss onto the agenda for the meeting. All right, Gerard, thanks very much for being on the radio and uh, we wish you luck and all the best for the upcoming season. Same to you, Ivan, and thanks very much for your time. All right. Thanks, mate. See you later. Thanks, mate. Bye. See you. Bye. And it was great to hear from Jared Barry of the VPR, and that uh, interview was organised for me by our VPR correspondent, Paul Cassider. so I thank Paul for organising that for us as they wanted to announce their AGM, which is this Sunday. Don't forget, VPR members, attend your AGM on Sunday.
And right now we're going to listen to number one on the Australian country music charts. And that's by a young lady called Ashley Dallas. And this one's number one. And it's Dancing in the Kitchen. I think we've all danced in the kitchen at one stage or another. So let's have a listen to that before we break for the Southern FM National Radio News. So let's say we spend the night getting dizzy, letting hair down, 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 down. Records spinning around, round, 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 round. When you start a fire, don't let it burn now. Grab my hand, spin me around. Make sure all the lights are turned down. Dancing in the kitchen, dancing in the kitchen. Dancing in the kitchen The only thing that's on and hot Is the love we got Dancing in the kitchen We don't have to dress fancy No makeup, your t-shirt I wear Round, 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 round The best of night in town, 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 town When you start a fire
Pigeon Radio Australia annually supports the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal. We have raised over $30,000 in the past eight years that Pigeon Radio Australia has been broadcasting its weekly program. 2022 is no different. Once again, commencing on Sunday the 3rd of April 2022, there will be 12 lots of top quality racing pigeons listed for auction via the Greater Melbourne Pigeon Federation auction site. We have this year set a target of $20,000 that we would like to raise. If you would like to donate a bird to the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal, please contact program producer Ivan Fontion 0424531111 or Tony Barbara on 0435494133. Or alternatively email your information to info at pigeonmedia.com.au. Pigeon Radio Australia is extremely proud to support the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday Appeal and are happy we can donate some money from the Pigeon Fraternity of Australia to help sick children. Please donate a pigeon to the appeal wherever you are and support the Royal Children's Hospital. There's more than enough to share To give them tender loving care Come on, dig a little deeper And right now, it's time to break for the Southern FM National Radio News. And after the news, we'll be back with more of Pigeon Radio Australia and featuring our racing pigeon panel I've put together today. And we're going to talk about a few interesting subjects. Catch you after the news. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. Stop the pigeon, 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 how? Jab him, jab him, jab him, grab him. You're tuned to Pigeon Radio Australia here on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, and today we've got a panel together, and I'll introduce our panel. We have on the line Joe DeNaro, the uh, great racer from the Victorian Racing Pigeon Union. We've got John Judd, and he's in the WPF this year. We've got Gary Gillard from the Greater Melbourne. And we have Peter Maddock from Taree to discuss. And the first question this evening is Peter Maddock put up on Facebook uh, last week that he would challenge anybody with his 52-year-olds uh, and 3-year-olds against 200 yearlings. Now, the first person I'd like to, uh, to uh, explain it is Peter. Peter, what did you mean when you, uh, when you said that... Um, on the internet, I talk. I talk about experienced old birds fly, flying on a pro- proper system, like a widowed system. Yeah, and and basically not like is when they get raised every in the same direction. You know what I mean? In the first year of a pigeon, will remember what happened in that first year. A young pigeon 
is based on the first year loan. So being the truck comes home, get used to the system. You're not overgrown that young pigeon that first year. As we all know, young pigeon can win you 600 mile race, but how many will do that? That's why I say, if I got a team of two and three old pigeons, what says been raised the young bird up to 400, 450 kilometer, and really look after him as a two-year-old one, they would, they would hold, they hold, they would hold their position against 200 young ones. All right, well, let's hear what Joe DeNaro thinks about what you're saying, Peter. Joe, go ahead. Okay, two-year-olds, I'm a big fan for two-year-olds. Not in the sense where to race widowhood. Uh, I don't know anyone that's done any good with widowhood in Australia. Number one, I fully agree with him that a lot of young birds do get slaughtered. Uh, don't know how the two-year-olds would uh, sort of go right through the season to the way we race here in Australia <coughs> as far as uh, widowhoods because, I mean, we race in winter. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I wouldn't attempt it. And I think I think if anyone did attempt it, especially in Melbourne, I think it would be a failure. What's that? Widow, widowhood system? Sorry? You're talking about widowhood, racing a widowhood system? In a widowhood system, yeah. Peter, do you see yeah. what he says there? That's most of the opinion of, of Australian... Uh, Here we go. The thing is, when you talk about widowhood system... I know top flyers in Australia through the widow system. In any state in Australia, and race fantastic. To raise a widow in Australia, you have to work with artificial lights. And the problem is here, but you guys a little bit panic when spring comes, summer comes, because the birds getting rank. They're not interested in flying anymore because the cocks went together. But it's totally normal. That's when you have to be switched on and, and, and use a, like a widow system or roundabout system. You have to train different. You can't let your widow cocks out in the morning when the neighbor got the hands out. You have to exercise in birds when nobody got birds out. You have to be basically a very clever, clever fancier to, to, to do that. Huh? Yeah, but Peter, I'm pretty sure there has been people that have tried it. And if it was, if it was, Good to you know, work in Australia. I think there'd be a lot more doing it. That's all. In, in all my years, uh, yeah, I haven't heard of. I know. Yeah, but I can, I can name you, for example, one flyer in Queensland, well known flyer in Australia, Danny Worry. He flew the Willow system already 25 years ago. Successful. Yeah, but I'm saying if it was really successful, I think there'd be a lot more people doing it. Yeah, I'm sure most, most people factor. wouldn't do it. Because it's too much time involved. Yeah, time factor comes into it as well. Another, another thing is people got too many pigeons. You can't play a widow system when you got there 150 babies in the loft. Yeah. You know yeah, I mean? I'm not familiar with it, Peter, to be honest. But no. I mean, I'm pretty sure if it was successful in, in this country anyway, I think there'd be a lot more people doing it. I remember and, when I was playing in Sydney, I had one team, one team on widowhood and another team was on the third. I can honestly say after, after say, 10, 15 races, more position came of the riddle loft than of, of the torch section. And, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't fly the extreme long distance on a riddle when yeah. it's sitting three, four days in a basket. Say one night, they can handle Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I would, I would prefer to fly into a nest, nest position. 
Yeah. The yeah. basic thing that I said, 200 young ones, a young, a young pigeon is basically stupid. It's yeah. all new for that pigeon. Yeah. That's why we got that problem. The young birds going first time in tossing, racing, the virus breaking out. The pigeon breaks down. That's a, the heel problems coming. An old pigeon, but being raised as a young one, gentle, is more relaxed. You know what I mean? Yeah, look, I understand, but I mean, I think in Australia, Peter, it's, they've, they've been racing young ones for that many years, right? so, and we had we did have pigeons for sort of many years ago. I remember people never used to keep as many birds as today. So, but they were they were pigeons that sort of been you know, bred to do it, bred to do it, bred to do it. Since the imports have come in, I think it has been a big uh, big change. So, I mean, that has to play a part too, yeah, because our you know with the the amount of pigeons people have to carry and all that, yeah, I. I yeah, it's just pigeons that sort of not not adapted to to this system. Yeah, so I, re- I remember when, when I was a kid, I was racing in, in Romania, started off, nobody raced there without. Yeah. There was people, smart Belgium and Dutch, they flew around without system, and once the people learned that system, <coughs> we, we saw when we first year started with that system, we will be unbeatable. Actually, the first two years where we went worse. Until we know what mistakes we're doing. Once you got that under control, well, it's it's basically easy. Yeah, we've got that many pigeons in this country at the moment. We haven't been tried, Peter. But it's not funny, yeah. So, but that that challenge, that, that challenge fifty to two hundred young ones is a tell you of the percentage. If you got say fifty two, three and four year old pigeons, and you're working out say, after fifteen, sixteen races on percentage, how many will be still there? Yeah. Put the same amount of pressure on the young birds. How? What would be the percentages there? No, I don't race that way, so I don't know. How, how I would was never. I've won a lot of races with young pigeon here in, in Europe, yeah. but I was never a big fan of it. Yeah, when you yeah. look at world famous pigeons like Wittenbrook, never won the race under three years. Famous Cannibal never won the race under three years. The world famous Sony von von Zeppelin never won the race until three years old. You look yeah. at the big winners in Europe of Barcelona, five, six, seven years old. Yeah. You ask about really, really difficult, tricky races. Yeah, I, I, I'm not familiar with overseas winners. So, I mean, it's just completely. Yeah, but I, I, I can compare it. Yeah. Of course, when you look at the results, you said, ah, young pitten top the fed, but there was 5,000 pitten in, in, in competition. There was 4,500 young ones. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're they, they overnumbered, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I understand all that, but I mean, I, I, I can't talk what they do overseas. All I can, all I can see is uh, different here. So the, the basic thing, what I'm seeing, I see that big picture. Today, people are scared to start racing. It's not less 100, 150 young birds in the loft. It's becoming, yeah. it's becoming a number game. And Federation... Pushing for big board limits. I see the big picture. There's young flyers. They can't afford to feed their 150 pigeons or old people, pensioners. There must, uh, there must come a change if that sport will survive. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think widowhood will do it, Peter, because most, hey, I'm not talking about, work. I'm not talking about the widowhood. Mm. I oh, always like the idea, like Vince Bravoli tried in Sydney to have old bird series. Say, say 12, 14 weeks or 15 weeks, and then have a young bird series and then pull the pin. Uh, 
Look, I'm a, I'm a big fan of two-year-olds, Peter. Don't get me wrong, yeah? I love my two-year-olds, yeah, because they just make my life a lot easier. And, yeah, I, I would hate to start a season without them. You know what I mean? So, for me, they're very valuable. And I actually I actually stop uh, certain pigeons when I get to the 300s and that I already pull them up, yeah, to keep them as two-year-olds. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just yeah, some people don't like them. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. For me, they are worth a lot more than the yearlings. I had to have, you know, 200 yearlings. I would never do it anyway. Mm. Yes, I agree. I agree. Two-year-olds, uh, yeah, very good. But I think if you get people who are flying a system uh, without the widowhood, just a net, you know, like a, a system flying, yeah, I think uh, some of the two-year-olds, they don't like that sort of thing to do, redo it again the next year. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Joe, uh, yep. I think the reason for John Johnny here, the reason John, away, mate. with yourself, I not too bad. In Victoria, it's, it's totally different... Uh, terrain in maybe New South Wales and overseas where we fly four tracks so you know if you go from one year flying the north east track and then you've got two year olds to fly the west track it doesn't do them in a, any good anyway so you, you, you stay from one side to the other side so that's why most guys have maybe 80% uh, yearling and then maybe 20% two year olds the two year olds come in handy earlier on uh, mid up to, you know, mid 300 and stuff like that. And the yearlings tend to ex- excel from the 400s and 5s and 6s. That's, that's my experience of racing in Melbourne for like, over 30 years now, like you. So it's horses for courses, I guess. In Europe, they fly one track. If we all flew one track, we'd get benefited of two But we fly four different tracks. It, it takes the equation out of those two-year-olds a lot as well. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I don't know about changing tracks with two-year-olds because I believe a good pigeon is a good pigeon. So uh, as far as going up to 400 moles, once you get to the 400-mole stage and you get a bit dicey weather, you, you need the pigeons to do that. So you, you can have as many two-year-olds as you want. If they're not bred to do you know, an all-day fly, they're not going to do it, yeah? So, yeah, but uh, changing tracks, uh, you know, I think, I think good pigeons are good pigeons. You know, you might get pigeons, you know, to fly a certain, like an easier track sort of thing. Let's yeah. say you go to the northwest track or the west track, which, you know, you get probably in uh, Westleys, and you throw them around into the northeast track and they start getting headers. Well, you're building up pigeons what do it, you know, easy, and then you yeah. put them in. It's just different pigeons, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, I've, look, I've had, yeah, sim- same pigeons from when I first started, and I, and I race them in all tracks, yearlings and two-year-olds. And, and I know if I got them right, they perform. If, they, if they're not right, they're not going to perform. So I think it depends where you live as well. Like down in Melbourne, the two-year-olds are a lot better. But when you're out, say, 40, 50 k's out of Melbourne, a lot of times they get a bit cagey as well, and they, they know what a lot is, and they don't want to break you know, open territory you know, 20, 30 k's away. So yeah, well, they take that. That just that on its own takes a good pigeon, anyway, John, because they're going to get it, let go on their own, and go for it. Yeah. yeah so it's it's different. It's different territory for the birds as well. So it's all right yeah. when you're in a hub where all the birds are coming in. That's all right. But when you're out out by yourself and hardly no one around, it's yeah, totally, yeah, totally different as well. So yeah, it would be. Flies, yeah. It's totally different. The country flies and and uh, a metropolitan flies as well. It's totally different. Oh, if I can say something, guys, I give you an example at Alice Springs race in South Australia, no? Yeah. 
when you look, no young pigeon can go to Alice Springs. When you look yeah. at, at the quality of pigeon what goes to Alice Springs, yeah. and you compare to the last 10 years, the percentage of returns from 800 plus mile, yeah. people would struggle struggle here of 350, 400 miles to get them returns. And that proves you that the pigeons are over two years well prepared to go to that race. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, Peter. The Alice Springs pigeons, these are pigeons that have been raised that distance for many, many years. So they've got in, the blood in, to do in it. Their blood, that's preparation. Yeah. If you would say the same amount, young, say, you said 500 pigeons to Alice Springs, the old ones, and you would send an hour later 500 young pigeons from Alice Springs, I bet you there would be 90% losses. Yeah. They would not do it. Mm. If you would let them go together, there would be a possibility that the old ones drag them young ones home, keep, keep, keep them going. Yeah, it's a the long way to, can be, do to crazy be great. Things. That, that's yeah. how I see that. Um, let's let's have a um... Gary, Gary. Gary likes them races. Yeah, that's what I was going to well, ask. I've got to tell you, and it's no secret. Um, I like to stop after the four hundred. So yeah. you know, two-year-old birds to me, magic. You know, yeah. so most of your pigeons when they start to play up is around about September, October. It's pretty up there. You know, so by that time, I can go through them and say, well, you're a troublemaker, I'll put you aside, you can go next year. Right. So, and and you just you just play with them. If you get cocks that are carrying on, there's things you can do. You don't have to go down the widowhood system. You can you can play with them, you know, put another cock in with their hand and things like that. It gets them going. Um, there's a whole heap of things you can do, but two-year-olds, to me, they're, they're magic. Three-year-olds, they're not bad. Anything above three-year-olds, they start to get too smart and just come home. Yeah. So I've clocked them all, you know, from from young birds right up to, you know, 400 of miles. It doesn't really matter what they are. Have you ever tried widowhood or similar, no, Gary? I, I, I wouldn't waste my time. I speak to a lot of people overseas. A lot of my mates, they, like Peter said, they... They will have a, you know, they'll stop at 350, 400 k's, and then they'll continue on with them next year too. But I've got a a lot of other friends in Belgium and that as well that have their 180. They send them every week. You've got the widowhood and you've got the normal people that are just sending week after week after week. Granted, the ones that do send them week after week, it's probably all they really do is race pigeons as a full-time profession. But, um, you know, a lot of them do also like, you know, two-year-olds and three-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. yeah but Gary, you're pretty fit to know what's going on in Europe. For example, the Barcelona race, no? Well, once again, I don't old... have any interest, Peter, in Barcelona. Hey, a seven-year-old cock was the only pit home from Barcelona on the day by headwind and 35 degrees. There were 27,000 pin liberated. There would be heaps of three and four year olds, huh? but that old cock, he kept going. He had an old ring on him, Peter. And that's experience. <laughs> <laughs> huh? I didn't hear you. I said he had an old ring. He was only going, Peter, because he knew a bloke like me had put another cock in with his hand. <laughs> he, hey, for example, you not have to fly a widow just with the young birds when you send September, they're getting ranked. You just separate them from Monday Monday to Friday, Monday, Monday to Friday. Let them run together on basketing day. 
letting them to get on Sunday night and to get on splitting up again. That's, that's I, I think it depends, Peter, on what, what you want to specialise in. If you want to specialise in distance racing, as people have said to me many times, I would do no good in the distance races because I train wrong. I train for sprint middle distance. Yeah, but you don't breed on them pigeons either, do you, Gary? No, I don't. I don't. I don't Come have on. any. I, look, in, in fact, I, I, I purchased some long-distance pigeons just for the hell of it, and then yeah. COVID came. Yeah. <laughs> and now yeah. they're going to be three-year-olds, so they'll probably be useless. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the way you do it, which which is very good because you don't you don't you don't concentrate on them races and you, you don't breed around them pigeons to have them race. But you, you're happy to stop at 400 moles. Well, I am. Look, yeah. I, I, if I, if I've got a pigeon that I think will will do it, I may. You know, it really depends. I mean, I, I did enter the 500 a couple of years back. I think I was like 12 or something like that. But you know, I was happy with that because I I don't have a lot of distance pigeons and. Yeah. Some good flies out there with with distance pigeons, you know, and and they live for the four, five, and sixes, you know, and yeah. and that's their forte. That's that's what they train for. That's what they feed for. Me, I'm I'm a bit different. I've got from short to middle. That's all. I've, I'm the day birds. That's yeah. all I've really purchased and imported. So that's where I'm sort of at, you know. Yeah, but but that's good. That's good, because a lot of people just got beat and they just send them to them long races and just slaughter them. Yeah, that's but right. You're not prepared to do that, which is I'm great. Not. Well, because I know. Oh, look, yeah. people say to me, "Oh, this one should be able to go further. It should be able to go further." But look, it might be able to go further. But at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, look, as I said before, I I used to do the distance racing. I used to go in Collins seven hundred mile race, and I used to do the five and the six and all the rest of it. But to be honest with you, I just got tired of breeding so many pigeons for uh, very little pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard enough. At least, with, at least if you're doing, you know, short to middle, you could be sort of in there all the time and have a, a bit of fun, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. But I do agree with Peter. Two-year-olds, I mean, people, I mean, look, not everyone likes them, but, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, go, with, I wouldn't go without them. No, I wouldn't either. Yeah. So you're, you're I'll start, using... I'll probably start the, I'm starting next year off, and I'll be honest with you, with 65 two-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and you yeah, reckon... We, we in Melbourne, we've got a lot of two-year-olds, so we'll, we'll see what happens this year. We've got a lot of two-year-olds last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Mel- Mel- Melbourne, we're, we're full of two- and three-year-olds. Peter, we're one step ahead of everyone else in Australia. See, we're already doing it. I can, I can tell you one, only one thing, Joe. Huh? Australia is the only country with change direction every year. Yeah. This is, this is fact. That's, we're, we're the only ones with I, balls. I tell you, Joe, I told you, it was in Melbourne. <laughs> and once, once you flew a bit old system, you got your say. 24 or 30 with hoods, you got them boxes, you got a totally control over them birds. Uh, Every bird get their own food in the box, they get their own water, they get their own grit. They're, they're like soldiers. So what are you uh, saying, you Peter? Monitor, uh, you Peter? can totally monitor them birds. You come in the loft in the morning, you see the dropping of that cock, you know, oh, that he's not well. You can see what he's eating. This is totally controlled. Did you ever see how horse trainer at 50 race was in the same stable? Yeah. Uh, or greyhound trainer. That's only in pigeons. Uh, there was a time so I tried to have a section, 120 pigeons in a section. Friday you go in the loft with your baskets and you pick the team. 
come on, many times he let the winner at home. Yeah. This is all, all becoming into a lot of work. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're losing a lot of people too in the sport. Yeah, but obviously, I think the, but I think it's I got, a, I got a totally different view in pit racing than, than you guys. Well, well yeah, Peter, what do you? They race them up to two, three hundred kilometers, and they stop them. Don't they do that? No, you uh, you got people in Belgium, especially in young boat racing, like like the guy who came on the radio, Jerry, all the day. The special race will race from 650 kilometers, young girls, but they got five, six nationals. Yeah. What can make you very quick famous. Yeah. But then on the other hand, you got in Belgium, no no world limit. There's people coming with five, six pin or ten pin to the national, and, and guys like Jenny turning up is 200 plus. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Then you have guys like Jan Olmans, he flies from three different lofts in, in, in Dutch and Belgium. You got Gino Clicky, he flies from East London and West London. It doesn't matter yeah. where the wind is, there's a pit up in front. You know what I mean? And then yeah. you have that, have that big picture by the ordinary little bloke, huh? or a, a guy is in a, in a small pension, he can't hold up with it. And that's, I know a lot of friends and my friends in Overstreet, they give the sport away, so I can't be competitive anymore. He's flying against full professional players now. Peter, yeah. Peter, tell me something, please. Why is it only Australia? People cry poor. Huh? All right. I'm only a pensioner. I'm only this, but he drives a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> All right. I'm only a pensioner. I'm only a pensioner, but you know, he lives in a two-story mansion. I mean, oh, overseas, okay, but... it's not about that. It's not about pensioner. Overseas, it's about winning. It's like horse racing. You don't see people who own racehorses, thoroughbreds, go, I'm only a pensioner. Now, if you want to go in the horse game, you must be loaded. I know that, Mark. Well, I mean, uh, have a look at what's going on around the world at the pigeon sport. One-off races, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Pigeons being sold for $1.2 million. You know, and yet Australia's just sitting there all the way pensioner. There's uh, there's there's pensioners in overseas too, get huh? Look, I'm sure there are a lot of pensioners out there who want to do it as a hobby. I don't dispute that, you know, but I think a lot of them play the fiddle, you know. The ba- the basic thing with Bin Gary that used to be the sports for a poor man. They called it the racehorse for the poor man. Now the pitting game worldwide with one loft race and all all the wealthy flyers, wa? Then, then you look at, at, at the money what uh, pitting costing today. One loft racing is a, 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 a weird thing in itself. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, everybody sends pigeons, and um, you know they think they're competing against the country's best. In actual fact, they're not. Hey, they're you only go, as good yeah, as you that go guy train them. You go to the new Speedmaster in Belgium, Vanderbilt, you wouldn't find the under pitting in the race law. He raced only a small team. That, that's yeah, how far does he race, Peter? Huh? How far does he race? I think he's more specialized in the short races, huh? What do you say, uh, Peter? Dirk, Dirk Vandenbolt. Vanderbilt. Vandenbolt. Yeah. yeah. He don't cry about pitching. You wouldn't find 100 race pitting in this law. In the old days, Alba Marcellus, he wouldn't have 100, 100 pitting in the law. He had the best, one of the best fly ever race in Belgium, Marcel Olbrecht. He had 16 cocks in his, in his garage in the roof. 
he was middle distance champion of Belgium. The basic thing, what I'm trying to say, the young pigeon, you don't know what you got. It can be a good one, it can be a bad one. It's just a trial what we're doing. Now, I see what's going on in, in Sydney. There's more, more training blocks going up with race pigeons. And that turns a lot of people off too. Uh, listen, Did you ever see any, any sport where, where train, trainers go with up with pigeon in competition? This is, this is wrong, in my view. Uh, this is a race that not belong any sort of training goes uh, with them up. Uh, they can go a couple hours later. Okay, guys, we're going to take a break there, and we're, we're going to go for a break for a little musical interlude. And here's a, a lady from Australia, from Victoria, and her name's Della Harris. And Della Harris is a singer-songwriter, wife and mother born in the heart of rural Victoria and now living in Melbourne, raising her family. Della has exploded onto the country music scene in Australia. So let's listen to Della Harris and it's number 15 on the Australian country music charts. Della Harris with a song called Truth Justice and we'll be back with our panel after this. There's a fork in your tongue There's a cork in a bottle About to come undone Words bubbling up Like a Yellowstone geyser Hearing a lot But I ain't no wiser You better hush your mouth Better shut your trap Cause there's words coming out That you can't put back If I were you Here's what I'd do Lay off the truth You feel like a man, make the no I shouldn't turn to yes I can. There's a world of hurt brewing on your lips, troubles all tingling on your fingertips. Lay off the truth, juice, bringing out the real you. You're no friend of mine, and you cross the line, and I'm gonna kick your butt back over. Lay off the truth, juice, you got a little screw. Shut your trap Lay off the truth juice Bringing out the real you You're no friend of mine And you cross the line And I'm gonna kick your butt back over Lay off the truth juice You got a little screw loose A little word to the wise When you speak your mind Make sure you ain't gonna regret it Think your lines are gonna work Forget it Lay off the truth Juice, juice, juice. Better hold. 
For all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM Sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. Your one-stop produce and farming supplies. Tara Meat. We get racing pigeons racing, horses racing, cattle and poultry feeding. All racing pigeon products and supplements available. We also have live poultry sales. Tara Meat stock feed and farming supplies. 1227 Holden Road, Tulin Vale. Open seven days a week. Telephone, Peter, on 0484 340 551. Southern FM sponsor. Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Rhonefried Pigeon Products. Rhonefried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeons in a health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035-998-1000 and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM Sponsor I know fire. I know that burning embers from bushfires can travel 30 kilometres, lighting new fires in seconds, like the one that burnt my house down. I know extreme fire danger ratings or above aren't announced often, but when they are, you need to be ready. Check the Vic Emergency app daily and be prepared to leave early. How well do you know fire? Plan, act, survive. Go to emergency.vic.gov.au. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. Now we cross over to Harper Reed, live on the scene. Thanks, Evie. I'm here to report Australia's best ever summer of safety with zero child drownings. All these children in the water have been taught to swim and they are all being supervised. Back to you in the studio. Kids play fantastic games of make-believe, don't they? Wouldn't it be great if we could make it real? Fence the pool, shut the gate, teach your kids to swim, it's great. Supervise, watch your mate and learn how to resuscitate. I'm Laurie Lawrence, Kids Alive, do the five. Do you know you can listen to Southern FM through your smartphone? Just download the free TuneIn app and search for Southern FM. Želite li okusiti Hrvatsku? Ugodite Hrvatskom glasu. S Maricom Čok. Hrvatska glazba. Vijesti i čet. Svakog ponedjeljka od 22 do 3 sata. Upravo ovdje. Na 88.3 Južna FM. Zvukovi uz obalu. Monday is from 10pm to 3am. Tune in to Croatian Voice with Marica Čok. A taste of Croatia with Croatian music, news and chat. Right here on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. 
This is DDZ, your captain speaking. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Travel the world, musically speaking, from the Eiffel Tower to the Rialto, from the Colosseum to the Pyramids, from the London Bridge to Golden Gate. Tune in every Wednesday, 2 p.m. for International Caravan with your captain, DDZ. This is Craig Francis inviting you to join me in Seeing in the Weekend with Friday on My Mind every Friday from 4 o'clock until 6 o'clock. It'll be a mix of music, inspirational stories from local people and a light-hearted look at what's been going on during the week in news and sport as well as a regular quiz, a wine and cheese segment and much, much more with as much community participation as possible. Friday on My Mind here on Southern FM from 4 to 6 on Fridays. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. You're tuned to 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, and you're listening to the Sporting Pigeon Radio Show, the only racing pigeon radio show in the whole world, and that's Pigeon Radio Australia. Our website address at Pigeon Radio Australia is pigeonmedia.com.au and the Southern FM website, go and check it out, southernfm.com.au. And don't forget, you can catch us on Facebook. We've got a group there with 85,000 members, going on to 90,000 members, and it's called the Racing Pigeon Global, and that's on Facebook. So if you want to talk to and communicate with people from all over the world that love racing, pigeons go to the racing pigeon global on facebook we also have our facebook page the pigeon media pigeon radio facebook page go and look that up and we podcast via the Podbean network so you can catch these programs every week via the Podbean network and uh, our podcast and to find our podcast you can go to the mr and mrs google machine and podcast and uh, search Pigeon Radio Australia, and you'll find our podcast on every platform, Apple Podcasts, but we host our podcast via the Podbean Network. And we'll get back to our panel and the discussion we were having before our break. Now, listen, um, Gary mentioned nationals in Europe, and I was having a discussion with one of our members of our club, and he was saying to me, he said, we don't get good recognition for our birds here because we don't have enough national races. What do you guys think about that? What happened with the nationals? Well, in Australia, we don't have many national races. We have one national race for the whole season, for instance, in Melbourne. I don't know how they do it in, in Sydney. You couldn't have in Australia a national race. You can have a national race all federations in Melbourne. 
You could have a national in Sydney, all Federation Sydney. Australia is a big country. Yeah, no. Only 220 kilometers from left to right. Yes, I know that, Peter. But I, from south to north. what I'm suggesting, what I'm suggesting is that each state of Australia should have more national races to give the Australian pigeons more recognition. What state with state with state? Yeah, state by state. For instance, in Melbourne, right? We only have one national race in a season. We should be no, having a half a dozen. That, Pardon? We're lucky uh, to have nope. that. Well, that's I what I'm saying. We're lucky to have that. When the national, when the national was, was first going, all the federations joined it, and they all thought it was a wonderful thing. And there was sections and prize money and all that type of stuff. Little bit of incentive. And over the years, it disappeared. Now, what do you get now? A diploma or something, or a printout if you're lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky, that's you know, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just gone, you know what I mean? So, there's nothing in it, there's no incentive. So what do and you suggest, What do you suggest, Gary, that we should change to, to, to make it better? Look, I don't think there's going to be too much you can do because, uh, as Peter would say, um, uh, I'm only a pensioner. Uh, I can't afford to, to put money in for prize money and all the rest of it. And and there's the problem. You know, you've got to... It's like horse racing. You've got to have something at the end of it. And, unfortunately, the Nationals today, there's nothing at the end of it. Yeah, Gary, lucky to get a, a total result. Gary, in the old days in Sydney, I can tell you, when you go to the Liverpool club, you look on the board. Yes, the old days, Peter, you're right. The people, the people save all your after family va, for the national race. If you guys in Melbourne, nobody can stop you guys having 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 one or two nationals here, all federations, 400 miles or something. There's the a biggest, limit. The biggest problem, Peter, the biggest problem with the national, they're too busy whinging about whose truck they're going to go on. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's your problem, number one. <laughs> That's, I, that, I can't I can't change that. It's up to you Joe guys. Joe knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, Joe, what do you think? You well, what's your... All federations, I think you got four or five federations. You got their national, you win it overall. That's a good feeling. Huh? Well, I think um, it was good over the COVID where the different feds said to, to other members, you know, if you want to fly, come and fly. You know, that was good. It was... I thought it may have been a way to sort of open up a little bit, you know what I mean, getting people to do things. You know, other Fed members maybe racing two teams, one in one Fed, one in another. Um, I don't know. Look, that's another thing some people would take offence to, that, that someone was racing, you know, two teams because they could. So I don't know what the answer is when you talk about national. Look like in overseas, Gary, you not got the nationals, you got the international. There's, there's flying uh, France, Belgium, Luxembourg, Germany, I know. England. Well, and you my know, my they, friend Peter races. races three times a week. Huh? And, and, he's, and he races different races. He's got a, he can choose which one he wants to do. You know, so yeah. it's not like look, that here. Look, Gary, in, in Belgium, you say you live in Union in Union Antwerp, in the area Antwerp. You can fly 15, 20 federations at the same time. Yeah, that's right. Here, you, you belong and you to can win Melbourne, and you can, take out, you can take out six first places in the one race. 
I don't know. What, what, what do you reckon, Joe DeNaro, on this national question? Oh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of national. Yeah, I like the idea, you know, 10 birds per person. Yeah, but... but yeah, if we if they could organise a few more of them and, you know, try to, try to do things together, it would be great. So you always you always hear people talking that they're setting the bin up for the nationals. Yeah. That you can hear that it's something special for the fans here. Yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I like it. Yeah, and the, be, yeah, the best thing is it's a timber limit. Money, money to win. Maybe the organisation has to do something. They haven't they got they money. Take two hundred two hundred flyers in Melbourne. Tell them that twenty dollar bird. You send ten birds at two hundred dollars. Yeah. 40, that's 40 grand in price money what you can play out yeah, I, but, don't believe, but as, I don't believe it's the money because the people who complain about the money they're the ones who spend the most on, on pigeons that's why they complain they're spending too much, too much of their money on pigeons <laughs> they spend too much money on pigeons so in, in Sydney no? when I came, came to Australia in Sydney, Liverpool I went on the board and had a look at all the old, old pictures <laughs> no? Uh, in 1953, to send a team to the national, there was a weekly wages. You tell uh, say a bloke yes, sent to a race a daily wages. He will ask if you normal head. But uh, at the same time, you ask the guy, same bloke, you want to buy young of that import for 1500, no problem. Uh, the attitude changed. You know what I mean? Uh, and the, and the, not, it, must, uh, not must be compulsory to go in price money, make it optional. If somebody said I can't afford that, well, it's not. Try to win it, but that's good enough for me. A lot of people don't like it either, Peter, because it's a lot of people don't like it because it's they can only send ten to it as well. Yeah. See, I, so I yeah, but then it makes a, it people. makes a fair even playing field, doesn't it? Everybody's got ten birds, and it's just it's fair for everyone. Yeah, but for people that are not used to sending ten, it's pretty hard for them to pick ten. Yeah. They'd rather I have, have their 50 in there. So I I haven't raced for years because I'm busy working now. But I see the overall picture of what's, what's happened with the fitness sport in this country. We all know why you like there's to keep... Some, there's something going wrong. Something we all know why you like to uh, only send 10, Joe. Why is that? You get to leave your socks on. You what? <laughs> you get to leave your socks on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know the regulation in Germany to become best flyer of Germany. You have to nominate five pigeons every week. A month ago, Ivan uh, had Alfred Berger and Rundfried on the radio. He was the best young flyer of Germany this year. You, have, you must know your pigeons and you have to nominate them and that makes it difficult. There could be a guy who sent only 10 pigeons and becomes best player from Germany, like Hardy Krüger done when he was 16 years old. There's a guy who turns up with 300 every week, but he can't nominate his pigeons for coming early. Yeah. That makes it a little bit more Correct. interesting. Yeah. That, that's how I see it. Yeah, but Joe DeNaro, even he, you think, Joe, that most people have too many birds, don't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, but, but Gary, why... Why, they, got what? No, they got no confidence in their pigeon. They're buying every year four or five new stock pairs of, of import or wherever they came from. They know nothing. They got no family of pigeon. They got no idea what the pin can do or not can do. Yeah, that's they, they, true. They, they, hey, they, Cox, I've got to say, Peter, I'm not a big cock fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But he reckons. End of, end of the day, it's not people can keep as many they want. I'm not a fan of it. Hmm. But now, I know how much work is involved in it. Now, another question that you asked, Peter, would you rather have Bird of the Year? Now, this is a question to all you guys, right? Would you rather have Bird of the Year in your Fed or win Fed points? No, I, 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 post, I posted that on my group. For me, it's definitely Eva. If I can have the best spin of the Federation end of the year, it's for me, for me personally a bigger highlight than being the Fed point score. Gary? Some people prefer the Fed point score, but that's my, my, my view. Yeah, Gary, what's your view on that? Um, look, we all race to win aggregate points. You know, it's great to have Bird of the Year and all the rest of it, but um, we do our Bird of the Year on total points. So you've got one pigeon, like my friend did. Um, he got 48 points because it won two first feds. So he got Bird of the Year. Um, but having said that, he wasn't that consistent throughout the year. At least if you're going for aggregate points, you're trying to be consistent. So you want to be up there. Not necessarily win all the time, but if you could be in the top 10 every week, then that's a good place to be. Gary, I can give you an example. Ne? One of the favourite pigments that, that lately a port was trailer is of that Wanderbull Kittel line. Kittel was first national eighth pigment in speed in Belgium. He didn't, he, did, he didn't win the champ, uh, Federation uh, Champion Point score. He had the national ace pigeon. And this is, this is what in Europe counts. The best pigeon of the whole country. Not the guy who wins the point score. It depends, on what, it depends on what, what motivates you, Peter. You know, it depends on what you want to be. It depends if you want to create a, a, a style of pigeon or... Like Jan Hoyman, for instance, he's probably the most successful flyer in the world who's created his own strain, the Harry line. It wins not just in his loft, in Taiwan, in UK, in Holland, everywhere. Now, he's doing it because that's what he wants to do. So for everyone to win with his pigeon is what he wants. So, but he does care about points still. Joe Denaro, what do you want? Hey, when you talk about Jan Holman, I saw an interview yesterday from him. Huh? Sorry, man, I hard to understand, Peter. What was that? You talk about Jan Holman, huh? Yeah. I get him probably on the radio. Get him I on the, the radio. It'll be very interesting. Hey. I listened to an interview from him yesterday to ask him, what, what are the best pigeons, in your opinion, ever raced in Europe? You want to name you name you them three? He what? He mentioned Wittenburg from Gaby Wanderabele. He mentioned Cannibal from Dirk van Dijk. And he, he mentioned Kleine Dirk von Gerald Kutman. Correct. And if, not, if, it wasn't, if it wasn't for if it wasn't was the creation of Harry. Exactly, because young younger Blixen is the father of Harry and Turkey, daughter of Kleine Dirk. Yeah, I know about Harry. I've got six of them. He didn't, he didn't mention the Aussies that he got from Australia, did he? That's why Keaton fish so well here. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Drew, when you're following what's going on in Belgium in the moment, huh? 
I'm in that game since since 1971. You got you got, for example, Pepa. They got there's some famous prison sitting in the start. The best mm. prison from Europe. The hands going through that cock. Yeah. They're bringing the best. They're putting the best thoughts together. There was only yeah. when I was young, only certain flyers who done that. Yeah. But now it's becoming more and more. Look at that pin Amendo what got sold for one point, I think one point two million or something was it. Still hasn't left Belgium. He's still in stuck there. Yeah. Then you got that pin Golden Prince. What was the record holder? He's up for auction now. I heard they haven't bred it. The they have... And all the youngers get spread all over the world. I heard they haven't bred a decent pigeon yet. Which one? Them one. That uh, Golden, Golden Prince. Prince. Golden Prince. Yeah. Golden Prince is the father of first national ace pin from Belgium this year in middle distance. Yeah, that's what they say, Peter. That's what they say, yeah. But we all know everything's different over in Belgium, as everything's all different over in Holland. But we're here in Australia, where it's a lot different. Yeah. Anyway, on the, on the bird of the year, uh, personally, myself, I would take the, the aggregate points by far before a bird of the year because the bird of the year really in Australia the way the way our system works I mean there's you get a, per, a person that wins bird of the year and the person that wins the aggregate points he might have had two or three birds that had enough points to to win the bird of the year but he couldn't because he's clocked the other ones first so it's not a, a proper indication of bird of the year the way we do it anyway mm. so yeah for me it wouldn't worry me John Jump, what's what's your take on it uh, oh, we'll never win an average up here, so that's uh, the equation. But uh, you go for a bird of the year, Johnny. I'll be bird of the year, here, mate. I ain't the right <laughs> I have a chance. Uh, I reckon, uh, you know, Dan, where you guys are, I think, and when we, when we were in Northern years ago, you know, you want to get in the pheasant as more times as you can, and if you get a good bird, that's all that's just a bonus, but uh. No one goes out to win bird of the year. People that are fed in, they want to win the average. So, uh, yeah, yeah. you can knock that bird ahead. That's true, so, John. You know what I mean? Anyway, everyone's just, even up here, we want to be consistent and be competitive, and then that's what you want to do down Melbourne. You, if you're in a, you know, an area where you want to have a, a fair cracker, and you know you're in the window every week, or you want to, you want to be up in the top, top 15 or 20, whatever, whatever it is, and, and consistent. Not one week in top 10, and next week you're, you're 50 or 60. Or so but that's what you want: consistency and be up in the up in the top of all the uh, the top five sort of thing. That's you know that's how that's how it's been since day one. Even as a novice, body over 30 years ago, you want to be good and you want to improve and you want to be at the top. You know what you're on the bottom. Okay, that much now. But we've all been there, John. Oh, we've all been there at the bottom. Hey, guys, guys. Some more than others. Guys. Yeah, well, I guess you've got to try and change things, you know? Oh, I see. You've got to try. Everyone's got to try and make it a, a more level playing field and, you know, it's no. Well, I talk to a lot of the short guys. They go, oh, we've only got one crack a year at Tassie and stuff like that. So, you know, and, and, and if everything ain't right, there's no guarantee you're going to do well if you're in that better position. So, you know, you go, hey guys, you go find different tracks and try different things and try give everyone a, a chance to get in as well. Otherwise, that's how you do lose people, you know. So, you go try. Okay. 
I can give you guys another example. Probably the, the best player I ever made on winning set point scores, Dave O'Grain Davidson. I think he won 36 years straight at the point score in the South Coast. He probably remembers only the top people what he had in his life. Not how many point scores he won. Not that I said it's, it's easy to win a point score. It's hard enough. You must have a smooth run all year. Uh, we've run out of time, and so I thank Peter Maddox for being on. Anything else you want to say before you go, Peter? Yeah, I said already enough, huh? <laughs> All right, and thanks to Joe Denaro. Thanks to Joe Denaro. Thanks for coming on. All right. And John Judd, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, boys. No worries. And to Gary Gillard, thanks very much for your input. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And it was great to have a racing pigeon panel on Pigeon Radio Australia today. This is 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. And Tony, we've come to the end of the show for today, so it's a cheerio from me and uh, from you too, Tony. Uh, It's time to go. Goodbye, Ivan. Goodbye, all the listeners. Goodbye to everybody around the world. And we'll catch you next week, same time, same station here on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, for the only devoted racing pigeon radio show in the world, and that's Pigeon Radio Australia. Cheerio. Bye. So, stop the pigeon, stop the pigeon.